Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is March 5th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Alberta today. And Lewis out here in BC. Where did February go? <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm not too upset that it's gone because it was kind of a crappy month. We had a bit of snow out in Saskatoon and a lot of cold. And I see that we're starting out with cold again out here in Edmonton right now, but heading back home after our show was published. And it looks like I'm going to drive home in the snow. Fantastic. Yeah, that's why I don't live on the prairies anymore. Um, <laughs> it's uh, plus three here. And uh and it's only going to get warmer today so hopefully it gets hopefully it gets up to about five or six degrees so yeah, that's what i find funny about the the weather in the interior of bc because i just i was reading the on some the news sites this morning and the coquihalla highway from your hometown to hope is actually closed right now because of snow but yet, yeah two valleys over where you are it's above zero and, and fantastic so <laughs> well yeah but i mean the coquihalla highway is a high altitude highway it's uh it's a, uh, a high altitude mountain pass there's also um two others there's three three mountain passes here that uh that are high mountain passes and they get they get really bad weather uh far longer than the valleys that they serve um there's uh like the coquihalla highway you can get snowstorms up there you know into june sometimes um and as early as you know labor day weekend sometimes uh so yeah i mean it's there's a reason there's a there's a tv show about it called highway through hell like it's it's there's a reason it's uh it's a pretty nasty highway most of us out here uh avoid traveling on it during the winter it's uh it's not a fun road in the winter uh, i'll tell you that yeah oh for sure so a couple housekeeping notes before we get the show started here today um number one canada I'm, most of you probably have heard my discussion with donnie who was a participate participant sorry in the freedom convoy in ottawa a year ago and he was reliving a lot of the the experiences he had there and it was uh actually a really good chat I mean, he uh he was there so he got, it was good to hear his perspective one thing he forgot to do at the end is he wanted to say a big thank you to everybody listening that you know supported him and whatnot through his experience like he said from the point that he got to thunder bay eastward he never paid for food for example and when in ottawa he never paid for food because there was just so much there that people were just giving 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 and so he just wanted to pass along a thank you to everybody for that and he had said that he was okay if we said his last name on the show just so people would know who he was uh donnie i think we're going to avoid doing that just for the fact that i know you're a small business owner and i know that people who hate people like us would just love that information to uh to try and dox you or at least try to sabotage your success in one way or another but those who heard your voice and heard your stories will know exactly who you are anyways so uh so message delivered donnie and uh it was a great discussion i'm sure we'll be talking again 
Yeah, unfortunately, I I still haven't had a chance to even listen to it. Um, I'm looking forward to it though, but I I've just been uh, really busy here this past week, so I just haven't had a chance to look listen to it. I I was supposed to be a part of that discussion, um, but I was down with a cold. I, you can probably still hear in my voice that I've uh, that I'm still. Uh, still recovering from it but that day i had no voice uh so i couldn't even participate in that discussion and i wish i could have um so but yeah i'm looking forward to listening to it and um and seeing what he had to say yeah for sure now um the world's favorite shop teacher is in the news again lewis and you had uh, actually brought me up to speed on that so um why don't you tell us what's up with um, that Lemieux, I'm not sure if we can say Mr. Miss, they, them, Lemieux. Yeah, it's um, becoming more and more uh, confusing, uh, whether we refer to uh, Kayla Lemieux as a he or a she. Um, we, we told you last week that uh, Kayla Lemieux's neighbors um told us uh, told them that told the media that uh uh it lemieux because i don't know what else to say <laughs> it lemieux um only seems to wear those z cup uh fake prosthetic breasts um when they go to school uh, when they go out and do their shopping, when they go out and do errands, uh, all of that, um, those uh, fake prosthetic breasts stay home. Uh, so it's becoming ever more likely that this is a troll, which is what we hoped it was. Um, and uh, But because of this revelation, the school district has suspended uh, Kayla Lemieux from teaching. If, in fact, this whole uh, thing, I, I, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words when it comes to this case because I don't know what to say. Um, this, this whole charade, if it, is, if it was, in fact, real, then good for you, school district, for uh, for you know suspending a uh, a, a problem teacher. Um, but if this is in fact a troll to prove just how insane the school system is right now, then. Thank you, Kayla Lemieux, um, or whatever it is that your real name is. Uh, and actually, I I saw an article put it perfectly. They called Kayla Lemieux the ZZ topped teacher. Um, <laughs> and I love it. I love that description. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, it, if this. This is the funny part, okay? This is the part that makes you go, what? Um, is that, 
and and it's too bad you can't see me right now because my hands are going like crazy like uh, like someone from Quebec um my and I can say that because I'm married to one um <laughs> the the uh, the great part about all of this the crazy part I should say about this is the reason that the school district has suspended Kayla Lemieux oh and with pay by the way um is that they're suspending her because she doesn't wear the big prosthetic breasts out in public. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So this is just getting stupider by the minute, guys. This is, it's unbelievable. Like if this is a troll, this is the greatest troll in Canadian history. Yep. And well, what do we say in this show? But there's more. The Halton Regional School Board recently had a meeting of its, of its board of trustees. And just at the last meeting, finally, one trustee spoke up and said, shouldn't we be doing something about this no dress code policy for teachers? Now? You just have this idea now that you're questioning not having a dress code for teachers? Now? Like, uh, where the hell have you been? <laughs> yeah, well, because they only now have the balls to bring it up because they're finally realizing they're being duped. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's right? what it is. <laughs> if they weren't being duped, they, that, that trustee would never have stood up. Yeah, well, that's probably true. So, Which is All right. Yeah. Which is totally sad because these are the people that are shaping our children's young minds, which is is scary as hell. I mean, my my kids um, are in high school. My daughter is graduating this year, and there was a time where I would have regular arguments with my daughter. To the point where it, where she would storm upstairs angry, thinking I was a bigot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and uh, because I would say, you know, that that this is that schools should not be in the business of telling our kids that they can be that girls can be boys and boys can be girls and stuff like this. Uh, my. My daughter, now in grade 12, is uh, has has actually come around on this. Um, she no longer she 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 is of the mind that most of these kids at her school that are that are identifying as LGBTQ plus hampersand front slash uh, comma are doing it for attention uh this is something that uh i have believed for a long time uh as well but i mean my daughter who used to you know basically think that i was a horrible terrible person that uh because i i believed that it now believes it herself um and doesn't just believe it she knows it uh which is different than believing it she knows it she she said that I mean, it, it's insane how many kids in that school 
are identified that way. Uh, there's latest numbers that I've seen is that 40%, 40% of 12, 13, and 14-year-old girls are identifying as the alphabet group. Insane. 40%. This is what we're doing to our kids, guys. This is what we're doing to them, to letting, you know, making them think that, that they're, that they don't have, you know, mental health issues for believing that, that, that they are, you know, a, a boy and not a girl or a girl and not a boy. I mean, this is, and, and the thing is, is like, if they're simply identifying as, you know, oh, I'm gay or I'm bisexual or something like that. I mean, no, no damage done. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not taking hormones. They're not taking puberty blockers. They're not, you know, having top surgery or bottom surgery. They're not doing anything that actually damages them. I mean, sure. Okay. They're a little confused. Big deal. They kiss someone of the same sex and they go, Oh, okay. Not what I thought it would be. And they go back to, you know, being a, a, a regular straight kid because God forbid you're just normal. Um, but they do, they can just go back to being normal uh, because, you know, kids are confused. That, uh, anybody who's been a parent knows that teenagers, prepubescent teenagers especially, are confused. They, they don't know who they are. And sometimes that manifests in not knowing if they're straight or gay uh, or somebody who, or uh, even just suspects, it, you know, or they're, they're curious, like, oh, I wonder what, what it's like to kiss somebody that's the same sex, right? Then they do it and they go, ooh, ooh, or they go, or they do it and they go, oh, okay. Yep. That's me. Right. Um, that's, that's fine. No harm done. But when they're thinking that they're the opposite sex and nobody questions them nobody says hey why do you feel this way let's let's have a discussion like a psychiatrist have a discussion or a psychologist have a discussion with this kid to find out why they feel this way what traumatic events in their life has has led to them to believe this and but we don't because that is considered uh, conversion therapy. Just having a discussion, asking a question is considered conversion therapy. And in Canada, conversion therapy is illegal. Whether that person seeks it out or not, even if that person seeks it out, seeks out psychological help, it is illegal to give them. And the... And so, but when it comes to believing you're of the opposite sex, that's when damage happens because they take puberty blockers, by the way, not reversible. They take hormones, like girls take testosterone, their voice gets deeper. Guess what? There are girls who stop the testosterone treatments because they detransition and the voice stays deep and manly. It does not change back sometimes. A lot of the times it does, but sometimes it does not change back. That is damaging. But the worst of it, because the puberty blockers 
that, that's chemical castration. It's the same chemicals we, we give to, you know, well, not us, because in Canada, we don't believe in it. But when they chemically castrate sex offenders, it's the same chemicals. It's puberty blockers. That's what we give sex offenders when we chemically castrate them. And that's what we're giving our kids when, 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 they, when they transition before they hit puberty. They take these puberty blockers and it chemically castrates them. They no longer are able to reproduce. They cannot, the girls cannot bear children and the boys cannot, uh, uh, they don't have sperm. It is, it is, this is fact. This is not, um, you know, anti-trans, uh, you know, transphobic messaging. This is real. This is what happens. It is the same thing we do to sex offenders. Um, and the top and bottom surgeries, not reversible. You cannot suddenly grow back breasts after a double mastectomy. And girls are having, teenage girls are having double mastectomies at record rates right now. Like it's thousands of percent increase in double mastectomies for teenage girls. This is permanent damage. These kids are committing suicide when they realize that this was not the right thing to do. Uh, boys are having their, their, their penises inverted to make them into vaginas and realizing this was a mistake and it's too late. You can't reverse these things. And this is stuff that we are allowing to happen to underage kids. And I think it's about damn time that this society wakes up and goes, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, no, that's a, Good, good point. And uh, that's excellent. Start, starting the show with a rant. I like it. So, um, all right, Canada, we'll, we'll wrap it's that up. It's not my last one. It's not my, and, it's not my last rant today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and I'm actually looking forward to the next one because we talked about it before the show started. So uh, on the show today, racists in Ottawa, racists at Roxham Road, racists in government, a tale of two budgets, and more. Where do you want to start? Let's talk about racists. Yes, they're everywhere. Look to your left, look to your right. You're bound to see a racist. Look and in the mirror. Look, especially look in the mirror. And Justin <laughs> will be telling you, you are a racist. Um, yep. He's gone back to the same old tactic. Now, when the talks about Chinese election interference. Now, we all talked about the Globe and Mail article a week last on last week's show. And I just want to say I'm actually really impressed with the mainstream media that this is still a story. I honestly believe this story would have been buried by now, or at the very least talked about considerably less and everybody is doubling down. And because of that, Justin Trudeau has said, if you're questioning the, the Chinese election interference, you're clearly an anti-Asian racist. Yeah. And even Pierre Polyev, has toned down his rhetoric talking about the Beijing Communist Party instead of the Chinese Communist Party. So I'm a little disappointed with that. But yes, Trudeau has said, nope, there is nothing to see here. You are being racist if you dare to ask this question. The 
Globe and Mail is lying again, just like they lied about the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. And Justin Trudeau says, nope, there is no need for a public inquiry because we've got so many mechanisms already in place to discuss this. And Liberal MP Han Dong, who mysteriously left the House of Commons just before the vote on the Conservative motion to declare the, the Chinese Uyghur genocide a genocide, also says, oh no, I'm a proud Canadian. There was nothing wrong with my nomination. How dare you racists and CSIS suggest I shouldn't be nominated? This is going deeper and deeper and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning to a, a, an opinion piece in the Toronto Star uh, saying that the longer Trudeau resists uh, an investigation, uh, the, the more it looks like he has something to hide. Um, yeah, welcome to the party, um, because, <laughs> because Trudeau has had something to hide for eight years, and we've all known it. Uh, we, I mean, he puts it on full display every day. I mean, the guy is, he, he is tearing this country apart, and he has an agenda, and it's, he's, he has never hidden that agenda, and it's unbelievable to me that it has taken this long for the mainstream media to finally wake up. Uh, but I'm glad that they're 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 holding on to this story and they're running with it because it's about goddamn time. Um, the uh, the the thing that the thing that really the thing that gets me is that what I'm seeing in the media they're they're now calling him Teflon Justin, and it's like. You know, because nothing sticks, right? Uh, this is something that, if you remember, is something they call every liberal prime minister. Uh, yep. Do you remember Teflon Jean? I, I mean, do that, remember Teflon Jean. Yeah, that was Jean Chrétien. Uh, yep. I mean, Jean Chrétien back in the 90s and early 2000s, nothing ever stuck to him either. I mean, he had scandal after scandal after scandal and nothing ever stuck to him either until finally something did. But it took nine years. Like, I mean, this is this is something that I just cannot understand. I'm um, actually going to interject on that one too. Just Canada, in case you don't remember, Jean Chrétien actually punched a protester right in the face in front of the news cameras. And still nothing happened he strangled a guy and nothing happened yeah all in front of the media right in front of the cameras so. <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's unbelievable i mean it, it 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 finally took uh like a financial scandal to to bring him down right and and it was all to do with uh basically quebec separation but uh, yeah, no, but I'm it, glad you brought up the the, the financial thing because that's somewhere where, where uh, the, the media is starting to go here with the with the Trudeau Foundation. Now, uh, Morris Rosenberg, who was a senior diplomat, but most notably uh, chairman of the Trudeau Foundation from 2014 to 2018, has said that oh, well, there there may have been some election interference, but it still didn't didn't uh, affect the outcome of the election. And there's no need for a public inquiry, nothing to see here. But then, as reported in the Globe and Mail again, 
the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation actually had zero donations in 2012. And then Justin Trudeau became the uh, Liberal Party leader. Suddenly a $200,000 donation from a Chinese billionaire, which was reimbursed by the Chinese Communist Party, came to the Trudeau Foundation. And since 2013, donations to the Trudeau Foundation have averaged about 500,000 a year. That's a pretty meteoric rise from zero. Yeah, well, and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, a list of uh, donations to the Papineau Riding Association. I did not the see Lib- that. The, the Liberal Papineau Riding Association. And that, for those of you who don't know, is Justin Trudeau's riding association. Uh, there is a list of donations made by uh chinese donors and the uh and they're all maxed out donations so fifteen hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars and then you get a whole bunch that are all 14 you know fourteen ninety seven oh three. you know like <laughs> as if they took a giant donation and they divided it equally and donated under a whole bunch of different names. But they're all, but the, but the dollar amounts, right down to the penny, is identical for like a whole bunch. And this list goes for like two pages. Wow. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I'll, 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 send it, I'll send it to you after the show so you can put it on the, uh, the Facebook page. Um, but yeah, it's it's really crazy. Um, Nuts. Now, uh, I do want to say about that, like it's, uh, well, I'm just learning that one right now. That's that is absolutely obscene. And uh, when you mentioned the the race in Don Valley North, which is Handong, on our last show, and you talked about how Chinese students were being bussed in and yep. and Chinese citizens were being bussed in, and Again, uh, Han Dong has said there's just absolutely nothing wrong. And Justin Trudeau said, nope, nothing to see here. And Justin Trudeau had said that, well, and you had talked about how he was looking for the CSIS whistleblower to punish them. And now, as it turns out, uh, they've now said, oh, yes, well, we've got, I think how Justin Trudeau had said there are so many different procedures in place now to study it that the parliamentary committee that was already studying the 2019 uh, election interference is now going to study the 2021 election interference and what's the biggest problem with a parliamentary committee lewis that would happen to have a majority of liberal and ndp members yeah well i think you just said it i mean the, the committee the committee is going to be comprised mostly of the people that don't want to get caught um the uh the other issue is is that like when they pick uh when they when they hand pick a uh uh someone to run a uh a uh inquiry they uh they pick people that were you know they're beholden to the party that that they represent in the first place like who did, who did they say that they were going to be getting to uh, look into this for them? Oh, the same guy that ran the friggin' Trudeau Foundation. Like, yeah, I mean, Mor- yeah, Boris Rosenberg's like, um, yeah. 
Like, so you, you're, you're picking somebody who's going to say, yep, we investigated ourselves and found that we did nothing wrong. Just like well, they're, the they're picking, they're picking, Yeah, they're picking somebody that if he says, oh, yeah, um, yep, there's something, there's a big problem here. There's, there's definitely some uh, uh, corruption happening here. That would implicate himself. Like, like, come on. Like, this is why I said on the last show that I think that when a committee or a or there's an inquiry into the government's actions, the opposition parties should be the ones picking the uh, the, the 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 person to run the the investigation. Yeah, and actually, and I, and, 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 I, and that goes for whether that when the conservatives are in power too. I think like if you want to keep a government honest, the opposition parties should have uh, more power in when it comes to uh, investigating the government. Um, you know, like when, when they say, okay, we're going to start an inquiry, we're, we're having a public inquiry. Okay. It should be up to the Conservatives, the NDP, the Green Party, and the Bloc Québécois to pick a uh, to pick a, a justice to investigate. Um, you have an ally that, actually. So um, Robert Benzies, he's the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star again. And he actually said, yep, if I was Justin Trudeau, I would find the most conservative judge in Ottawa to run a public inquiry so that, that we get to the bottom of it and prove that I did nothing wrong. And I thought, Benzies? The, the same Benzies who called the uh, Freedom Convoy those fringe white crazies, not Robert Benzies. Yeah, yeah. he's he suddenly he's grown a spine. Yeah, well, I think the I think the media, the Canadian media, is starting to smell blood in the water, um, and they want to be on the right side of history. Uh, it's just a little late. Yeah, and uh, now Canada, before you uh, start demanding a public inquiry. Um, Gerald Butts is actually now on board with a, with a public inquiry. I am the last person who's going to support a public inquiry and probably the last person who's going to agree with Gerald Butts on anything. If we go down the road of a public inquiry, we are going to get, as we said, a hand-picked liberal hack to lead the inquiry. It will take years to, to, to wrap up. It will wrap up with a very vague sort of conclusion that well, there may have been some influence, but we don't see that it would have affected the outcome of the general election. Nothing to see here. Please move on. Yeah. I've changed my mind since last week when last week I thought that might not be a bad idea anyway. And then I and I know that I spoke out on the show. We agreed that yeah, the outcome of the general election was not affected, but the election in Canada was 338 elections for MP. And then whichever party won the majority of those 338 elections formed government or the largest number of those elections. Well, the election in Don Valley North, for example, we know was tampered with and at least 10 other ridings in the GTA alone, not to mention ridings in Vancouver and who knows where else we're going to find out the elections were tampered with. So we've got a dozen or more separate riding elections that were indeed interfered with and whether they were swayed toward conservatives or toward liberals we see most of them were were toward liberal candidates who were more pro-china 
this is a big problem, Canada. Now, we can't do anything about, you know, the fact the election was almost two years ago, but we can't just rest on our laurels and say, oh, well, nothing to see here. The, elect the outcome wouldn't have changed. Well, maybe it wouldn't have changed in that we would still have a liberal minority government propped up by the NDP. But what if it was a liberal government that had 138 seats and the Conservatives had 125 and suddenly, you know, the NDP wouldn't be able to be that balance of power anymore. So th there were some serious consequences here, Canada. We can't just blow it off and say, oh, well, not a big deal. I mean, nothing would have changed anyway. No, Maybe because the not? only thing, yeah, the only thing you're doing, if you say, oh, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the election. So, you know, no harm done. Uh, all you're doing is you're telling that foreign power that, and in this case, it's China, uh, that they have carte blanche in Canada. They can do whatever they want in Canada. They can interfere in any election they want in Canada. And they will. They'll push it and push it and push it until they get stopped. And if nobody in Canada is willing to stop them, they're not going to stop. They're going to ramp it up. They're going to ramp it up until someone tries to stop them. And then they'll just dial it back a bit. Um, yeah, it's exactly. like a child. It's like a child, right? Pushing the boundaries at home, finding out where the where your parents where your parents' limits are. You, you find out where that limit is, and then you dial it back just a little bit. And that's what that's what China's doing. And if we tell them, "Hey, nothing to see here. Do what you want. We're good." Well, I mean, and, and but here's the thing: like the and the reason, you know, that. Uh, that this is such a big deal. And I mean, it's not because, well, I mean, it's obvious why it's a big deal, but here's, but here's something else. This is not just liberal candidates. This is not just liberal MPs. There are conservative MPs caught in this as well. Uh, I don't know about NDPs um, or any of the other parties, but I do know that there are some conservative MPs that were caught in this as well. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. I don't care that conservative MPs were caught in this. They, like, it should stop. And, and if they knew about it, then they should, be, they should lose their job immediately. Every one of them, conservative, liberal, whatever, I don't care what party they belong to. If they knew they were getting uh, uh, contributions to their election campaigns from the CCCP, they should lose their job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned losing your job. We'll, uh, we'll segue that into talking about some more racists. The University of Ottawa has now decided to join, I believe it's Laurier and there, um, I can't remember which other university in Ontario. However, the University of Ottawa has recently published job postings for a professorship and has specifically stated white males need not apply. They will not hire a Caucasian male for a tenured professorship, but you're more than welcome to apply if you are a female, indigenous, racialized person of color, LGBTQT, LMNOPQS, and for sand, or whatever. But no, no white males need apply. Not that that's racist or anything, but that's bloody racist. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we're finding out. I mean, not finding out, but we're seeing more and more and more is racist. The left is okay with racism. 
They, they, they don't, they don't actually hate racism. In fact, they love racism. Um, they love racism when it benefits them. Uh, and the type of racism that benefits them is racism against the majority, which is white. Uh, they, they love racism and sexism uh, when it comes to white men. They, uh, they promote it as much as they can. They publicly display it. They do not hide it. They do not hide the fact that they are racist and sexist against white men and, uh, and, and racist against white women. I mean, it, it's, it, it is, this is something that like, don't, don't let the left kid you. They, they don't hate racism at all. In fact, they embrace it. They love it uh, when it's against the group that they want to target. Well, and I'm glad you put it that way. The Canadian Armed Forces, who, as we know them, the rank and file are mostly white men. Um, the Canadian Armed Forces, senior brass, has now decided that their definition of racism, you're going to love this, Lewis, the military will now define racism as denying you have racist beliefs. I'm not a racist. That makes you a racist. That's what a racist would say. That's right. <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's uh this is the uh ibram x kendi school of of uh of thought when it comes to anti-racism uh if you ever if you ever look at his uh i don't recommend it but if you ever read his book uh, <laughs> or what or his books sorry plural um he's uh he, he's he's the one that's basically uh, it, he didn't create the term. Uh, oh, geez, my mind just went blank. Um, anti-racist. No, yeah, but anti-racist, but also the uh, 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 you know, it's a, it's the it's the 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 school of thought that they're teaching in in school right now. Oh, um, critical race theory. Critical race theory. Yeah. He, did, he didn't create the term critical race theory, but he certainly is the 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 number one uh, proponent of critical race theory. Um, he uh, he and he's also the one that wrote you know the children's book, the book for little kids called Anti Racist Baby. Um, you know, like these are these are uh, uh, racist texts. These are racist books. Um, and, uh, uh, but I mean, this is, and the Canadian armed forces is, is falling right into this train, this area of thought. And it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, you've got a war happening in the Ukraine with Russia and you've got China sending spy balloons we think maybe maybe not might be ham radios um and we've got we've got aggression from these other countries that are ramping up right now uh we are as close to nuclear war as we have ever been since world war ii 
Uh, actually, let me rephrase that. We are as close to nuclear war as we have ever been in history because in World War II, only one country had nuclear bombs. Uh, right now, we have a country that is in a full-out war and they have the largest nuclear arsenal on the planet. We have another nuclear, uh, a nuclear power in China making aggression, ramping up their aggression. And we've got the US who is funding the war with that, with the world's largest nuclear power and the target of the other nuclear power, China, right? And these three nuclear powers, <laughs> there's, and, and those, those other two nuclear powers are supporting each other. So we've got, we are as close to nuclear war as we've ever been in the history of this planet. And our military is worried about whether or not you think you're a racist. Yes. And uh, well, and our government is also thinking that everybody is racist. We're going to touch on, well, what today's last bit of racism is, Roxham Road. Now, Pierre Polyev called for a closure of Roxham Road in 30 days. And of course, Justin Trudeau said, actually, let me back that up. Premier Francois Legault of Quebec finally said, you know what, we can't handle this many people at once, 39,000 in the last year. So he finally said, we need to start sending these Ill illegal immigrants elsewhere. Okay, he probably racist. called them asylum seekers. But yes, that racist, how dare he send them to Ontario? And Ontario's actually said, fine, bring them. But then Pierre Polyev just said, close Roxham Road, just close it. And Justin Trudeau said, Two things, one which I agree with. The one thing he said was that if you close Roxham Road, they'll find somewhere else to cross. Okay, yes, that's true. The second thing Trudeau said deliberately to, to, to pick a fight, if Pierre Polyev wants to build a wall, we can do that. And I thought, you're such an ass. What, I mean, he's yeah, obviously yeah. doing that. To, to promote the provoke the Trump, right? So yes, obviously. I mean, he's he's trying to correlate, uh, you know, Polyev to Trump. Like he's yeah. he's trying to make that connection, right? Uh, to to scare Canadians. So Canada, like, I mean, I know our listeners already know this, but you know, tell your friends who don't agree with you. There's only one party in this country right now. Well, okay, no, there's. Four, four parties in this country right now that are trying to scare Canadians into hating other Canadians. And that's the Liberals, the NDP, the Green Party, and the Bloc Québécois. Um, the, if you notice, the Conservatives are never trying to scare Canadians into hating other Canadians. You don't see that. I'm sorry, you just don't. And no liberal or NDP supporter in this country is going to convince me otherwise, because you do not hear Pierre Polyev saying that other Canadians are evil or racist or, or anything like that. You just don't hear it. And 
you don't have to agree with every, with anything he says, but you cannot tell me that he's trying to divide and conquer the way the other four parties are. The the and the liberals, they are the masters of it. They're the masters at at divide and conquer, and, and they're doing. And, and I mean, you've seen it right there. You know, trying to convince Canadians that Pierre Poilievre is Donald Trump. Yep. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so we'll leave that one there so we can squeeze in some time to talk about Alberta and BC could not have delivered more polar opposite budgets this past week, but they did. And I can't wait for your rant in response to that. So here's the facts. Uh, the Alberta government, under the very capable Danielle Smith, of whom I'm a huge fan and will never find any wrong in, just so you know my bias. <laughs> <laughs> She, uh, her government, Travis Taves, her finance minister, delivered a balanced budget, a $2.3 billion surplus, I believe, which will be applied to debt relief. So that'll be a, a, a very welcome choice. $2.3 billion to affordability measures, $2 billion to uh, improving health care, $158 million to uh, incentivize doctors and nurses to go to rural areas and a billion dollars to help fix facilities and rebuild maintenance and whatnot. And all I'm thinking is, this is all good. No tax increases and full steam ahead. Love it. Let's move to your province, BC, and you've, uh, I'd say you've been at least modestly critical of your government the odd time. Well, $4.2 billion deficit for BC. They have at least, to their credit, opened up new training spots for healthcare workers while not rehiring all those thousands they fired for not being vaccinated. Yeah. Just want to throw that in. Okay, now BC's population is about 6 million, right, Lewis? Uh, it's about five and a half. Five and a half, okay. So five and a half million people, $462 million for policing, enforcement, and intervention services, and access to justice. 462 yeah. million doesn't go very far as far as I'm concerned. No. And 1.3 billion over three years. So we're going to be roughly about that same 450 million per year. For, yeah. <laughs> You're sitting down. Good. Contraception, expanding school food programs, financial supports for post secondary students, for people on social benefits and other caregivers in order to promote a more inclusive British Columbia. That all sounds really good, and I really love all the buzzwords, but yeah, the David Eby government has zero interest in balancing the budget. They're going to yeah. add another $4.2 billion to take out of your pocket as a British Columbian, and they've got no plan whatsoever to pay, off, to pay it down. They're talking about reducing deficits, not about eliminating them. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be a more backwards budget. Yeah, and I mean... Budget. And it and it's it's completely asinine. I, I mean, we've got a province, a provincial government here being led by an activist. Um, David Eby, prior to being a politician, was an activist. That's that's what he was. Um, and it's funny because when he was an activist, I kind of agreed with him on things. Um, <laughs> but he was a uh, he was an activist for the uh, um, uh, civil liberties union. Um, so, I mean, he, he, uh, 
but then he became, you know, an NDP member and, uh, and he had this meteoric rise to the premiership, even though he went uncontested, um, the party made sure he was uncontested. Uh, David Eby is a tool. Um, I, <laughs> sorry to be that blunt, but it's true. He's a tool. Um, he, he has never met a special interest he doesn't like. Um, and he has never met a taxpayer that he didn't disregard. Um, he's, he's just, I mean, it's under him that they've de, you know, you know, made all these hard drugs legal without actually having any uh, increased investment in um, mental health and, uh, and drug addiction services. Uh, and we've got companies in BC applying to Health Canada for exemptions to sell cocaine and getting the exemptions. Um, three companies now uh, have done that. Um, you see in Alberta, there's a completely different approach to drug addiction and homelessness. Uh, they have decided that they're gonna put a, a, a large investment into uh, rehab and treatment facilities and personnel. And the and Alberta has seen a fifty percent reduction in drug overdose deaths since they implemented that program. BC has decided that they're just going to make drugs legal. They're going to allow uh, uh, drugs to be sold on the street in uh, vending machines. That a store is going to open up. Uh, in downtown, uh, well, the downtown east side in Vancouver that's going to sell cocaine, meth, uh, heroin, and uh, fentanyl, and, and all these, these super hard drugs that are super deadly. And that's their solution. And yet our overdose deaths keep skyrocketing, like going up by, you know, a lot every year. Um, so I think one province has it figured out and the other doesn't. Um, and I think you know which one that is. Um, now, this ties into a more general uh, taxation and spending policy problem that we have in this country. Um, I was talking again with my daughter last night. She has a friend that she went to high school with that um, well, elementary school, middle school, and high school, her, her friend and all their siblings were uh, removed from their, uh, their parents um, because their parents were neglectful and abusive. Um, so all, their, all the kids, and there were a lot of them, uh, were all removed and put into foster care. Um, and they were all divided. They were divided up into several health, uh, uh, foster care homes. Uh, a third of these kids are all are, are, are now living on the street. Um, not one of them is of age of majority yet. Uh, so they're, they're minorities and they're living on the street. 
Uh, one of them has been uh, raped multiple times, uh, has drug and alcohol issues, um, is living in a women's shelter, uh, cannot get any help from the government uh, because there's a, you know, there's a, the, the foster care system, the, uh, uh, there's, there, there's supposed to be these, these programs that help kids that are in these situations, um, but they don't work uh, for, you know, a lot of the times they don't work. These kids fall through the cracks, they end up living on the street, being raped, doing drugs and alcohol and, and, and going in and out of jail or, um, but they're not going to high school. They're, 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 they get no help whatsoever for attending, uh, you know, a trade school or anything like that, because at the age of 18, they are, the government wipes their hands of them. Um, <clears throat> and this is, and this is a big part of why we have the homeless and drug addiction problem we have today, um, is because of programs failing uh, that are supposed to be looking after these kids. Now, I had what I would call a perfect childhood. I had two loving parents who are still married to this day, which means they've been married for 49 years. Um, I, have, <clears throat> I have a loving uh, marriage in, in my life. Uh, my wife is amazing. <laughs> we have two amazing kids. My kids have never had to go through this. I've never had to go through this. Um, but there is an ever-increasing number of kids that are going through this. And, and the system is, is failing them. And these kids are being failed by society. And we don't have politicians who give a shit. They just don't care. Um, we have governments that would rather and this is federal government that would rather give $75,000 to federal government employees to get their sex change operations. That is something that came out this week. We have governments that would rather pay for sex changes for inmates. We have governments who would rather send money billions of dollars to third world countries to meet their climate objectives then spend the money on our mental health care system our health care system our foster care system the systems the programs in our country that canadians need most are failing they're broken and people are falling through the cracks. I do believe in a healthcare system that works. And if that, and if that system is publicly funded and publicly delivered, I support it. It doesn't work though. We have to, we have to stop spending money on garbage programs that benefit, uh, well, I, I don't think they actually benefit anybody. There are lots of garbage programs that the governments spend money on. 
there are lots of international uh, funding programs that our government shouldn't be spending money on. Should we be funding a war around the uh, around the world right now? Should we be funding that? Because we are, we are funding that that war, prolonging it which is prolonging the pain and suffering that many of these people are experiencing. It is not our war, but we're funding it. There is a lot that we do that we shouldn't be doing. And I think the solution to this is something I, I did propose a while back. I don't know if you remember this, but I think employers should stop deducting income tax off of their employees paychecks and sending it into the CRA. I think employees should be responsible for paying their own tax bills. I think at the end of every month, the, the every employee in Canada should be sending their tax money to the CRA themselves. And why do I think that'll work? Because when people realize how much money they actually send to the government, they, they will change their minds on what they are okay with, with, with government spending money. Because I'll tell you, when you have to send $1,000 a month to the government, and you've seen that money in your bank account and you have to send a thousand dollars to the government every month, you're going to change your mind about what is okay and what is not okay for spending money on. But the government will never ever do this because as soon because once they do that, Canada will be a conservative country for the end until the end of time because Canadians will go, whoa, I don't like this. And that's why employers deduct taxes and send it in themselves, because you never see that money. Yeah, you never see that money. And because you never see that money, it never enters your mind that what the government spends money on is wrong. Yeah, that's, that's a very good solution. And that's a really good spot to wrap the show up on. That's uh, very well said. All right, Canada, we've given you a lot to think about this week. Um, booked and ready to rock look forward to tuesday we will be having a special guest interview on the show uh, i'll just tease out that much of it i know you'll enjoy it and thank you for tuning in today canada uh, from tony in alberta and lewis out here in bc good night good night canada Tony.